Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together, we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. The question this time is really a two-parter. Should I care about measuring the effectiveness of my case management and reporting process? And what are some ways to do that? First, I want to say, once again, appreciate everybody who has subscribed, who listens. If you've got questions, got ideas for topics, just any kind of feedback, please feel free to get in touch with us. If you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe. If you haven't reviewed the podcast already on iTunes and you have time to do it, please review it. And please let everybody else know about us. So talking a little bit about why we should care about measuring the effectiveness of case management and reporting systems, I think the first answer to that question is because how else, if you don't measure, will you know if it's working? You know, the board, the people you report to that you are hopefully trying to get more budget from are all going to be looking for results. They're going to be looking for the business case for not only what you do with the case management and reporting system, but what you're doing with the compliance program generally. And so not having data, not having some metrics, not being able to show your work, so to speak, is never going to be too helpful when you're reporting back up the chain of command about effectiveness. Remember, effectiveness, as defined in the sentencing guidelines, is not a black box. And more importantly, and this is the second point, effectiveness is not seen to be a black box by regulators. So the second point is, and the second answer to the question about why you should care about measuring is that your regulators, people who are going to be potentially looking in and peering in and reviewing your program, care about it. And they want to know how you're measuring. It's important here to hit on a point that I just talked about last week, which is we're not talking about highly regulated entities here. We're talking about what the expectations are from regulators for all organizations and how they collect data and how they use that data. Both the guidelines and regulatory and criminal law, all of these things apply to you no matter what size you are, no matter what industry you're in, whether you're a nonprofit, whether you're a school. Actually, it reminds me of something that I don't know if I talked about before, but is, is, it is, was an illuminating point for me, which I didn't recognize at the time, is I actually talked to somebody who was a compliance officer at a large public institution at a college who was at a compliance conference and said, I don't, I'm not sure if the sentencing guidelines apply to us because you know, we're not a private company. Newsflash, the guidelines apply to everyone. They apply to government entities. There's actually been a couple of reported cases. I want to say it was the Puerto Rican Water Authority, a public institution that ended up being sentenced under the sentencing guidelines, or at least had an NPA or a DPA at some point. I'm a little fuzzy on the details there, but I know that that happened a few years ago. So it applies to everyone. So when you're talking about measurement and and determining what's effective, it doesn't matter who you are, this applies to you. So what are those expectations about measuring the effectiveness of your reporting mechanism and and or case management system or systems as the case may be? Well, I think we can glean the most recent iteration of those expectations from the now famous February 9th, 2017 memo evaluation of corporate compliance programs. 
Again, if you're looking for that, I'll have the web address where you can pull that up if you haven't seen it yet on the show notes. The effectiveness of the reporting mechanism is discussed and the different areas that are suggested or ought to be covered under defining what the effectiveness is, is what's the process? So what plan do you have in place? How do you plan to cover or review cases as they come in or or incidents as they're reported? What's your process? How are they handled? How are they triaged? That's a term that's often used in this context. Do you have a written plan? And is that plan followed? And does that plan apply? Who does that plan apply to? Does that just apply to compliance, but not HR, not security, not other areas of the organization that might also be re- receiving reports and handling cases? A second area that the memo suggests you ought to investigate is the compliance program's access to information. To me, this is a big neon light about the remaining walls that are up in so many organizations between compliance and HR and compliance and audit and compliance and security or or other areas that may be collecting data. Those walls need to come down in some form or fashion. Maybe those separate systems still exist, but there needs to be some transference of data. There needs to be aggregate data that the compliance function has access to so that it can properly report to the governing authority of the organization. If you have an organization where there is a two-track or multi-track system, depending on what kind of allegation or report it is and how it comes in and how it's handled and how it's resolved – and the compliance office has absolutely no idea what's going on with HR and vice versa, that is not good. Even if those things ultimately do get reported up the chain of command, but separately, that's not what this memo is suggesting. It doesn't talk about access at the governing authority. It talks about compliance program access to information. So to me, that's a, a, a glowing, flashing neon sign to bring those walls down. Secondly, how has the company collected, analyzed, and used that information? So they're not only looking into the fact that you're collecting data, but what are you doing with it? And this relates to another point that's explicitly laid out, and that's response to investigations. One of the things that they list off, or they're going to investigate as to whether the investigation has identified root causes, system vulnerabilities, and accountability lapses. In other words, It's not a matter of you collecting this data, resolving those individual cases, but have you looked at the trends? Have you evaluated potential control failures and root cause issues that need to be addressed? How is that handled? How is the data used? So they're they're looking at the process. They're looking at how you collect the data. And then not only how you resolve the cases individually or collectively or what your process is, but what you do with that data afterwards, how you improve your processes, how you improve your controls. That's really important. When talking about information gathering, it also notes specifically that they want to see what kind of metrics you're collecting, what you're doing to detect misconduct and how you're using that data to identify those trends. The example I always give here is, this also goes back to why it's important to collect or at least have access to HR data is there are a lot of individual reports and issues that come up, particularly issues that are often categorized as noise and or HR noise that individually are immaterial, that are events that are handled by HR internally and don't rise to the level of being something that is going to require necessarily a compliance response. 
Things like people not getting along with each other, people taking personal property from each other, people getting a cubicle that somebody else wanted, you know, those sorts of, which I think are sometimes characterized as petty complaints, which may or may not be petty complaints. But here's the, here's the thing about that. Those things individually probably don't rise to a level of materiality. But if there's a pattern evolving, that's something that compliance needs to be aware of. And I think that's one of the things that this memo is directing you to take a look at are these trends or the information and metrics have been collected to really resolve the fundamental issues. Because if you have a bunch of this noise, this uh, quote unquote noise going on at one location, but it's not happening at the other locations, well, that's an indication that something else is going on, that there's potentially something much more serious going on that just hasn't been reported yet. So I think it's important that you understand what your processes are around collecting this data and and using it, but also making sure that you're getting all the strands of the data that you need. Because if you're not getting all the strands of the data that you need, that's a really serious blind spot, even if those individual pieces of data on their own don't seem that material. So what can you look for when you're looking at internal data? I think, broadly speaking, there's some categories that you need to be aware of. One I've just talked about, which is trends, things that are going on that individually, you know, maybe don't uh, rise to the level of creating a hue and cry or a serious concern. But if you see them together, you see a trend that is troubling and perhaps leads you to investigate further. Performance. The other thing that you're looking for internally is how is your system performing? Are you collecting all the data that you should be collecting? If you have a system or a process in place where you are presumably collecting all the open door data things that are going to managers, things that are going to HR and other places in the organization, as well as coming in through the hotline or helpline or the web interface on your intranet, all the different places, looking at the data to assess the performance of the system. Are you, you know, and kind of the threshold question is, what are you getting? Do you feel like you're getting what you need? And what what is that data telling you about the performance of the system? If you have an organization where you have tens of thousands of employees and you have a reporting and incident system where you are logging one or two events every quarter, (laughs) that's a problem. You know, oftentimes there's a question about, okay, well, what should I be looking for? And I've seen some reporting systems put out reports about their aggregate numbers of reports that come in and sort of slice and dice them as to category and that sort of thing. I think it's kind of hard to compare one organization to another organization, even within the same industry, as to what the level, what the volume of reports ought to be. I think it's it's more a matter of magnitude. If you have so very little for the size, the relative size of your population, that's a sign. Or if you just have a whole bunch of noise coming in from one location or one division or one part of your organization, that's an indication of something else entirely. I don't like the idea of of benchmarking number, except that you benchmark it to yourself, right? If you have no system and then all of a sudden you get a system, then you're going to have a huge spike. Or if you go out and you train on a particular topic, you should hope to see a spike in reports and questions. If you've never talked about anti-corruption before, or if you've never talked about data security and data privacy before, and you go out and you roll out an online training and you have several events about data security and data privacy, and then you get a spike in reports about data security and data privacy, that's a positive aspect. And you should, you should look for that and you should see that in the data. And similarly, as you're further educating people about speaking up, you should see a spike in people speaking up and asking questions. 
you know, you can benchmark your data, not necessarily with outside organizations, but internally with what you've seen in the past. What are the trends internally? I think that's much more valuable with regards to total numbers or numbers of specific types of reports than comparing how many harassment reports you get versus a peer organization. If you have a demographically similar peer organization, that might be helpful, but that's hard to find. Another thing is survey. Even if you are gathering more data from your internal system, I don't think you completely abandon asking questions about reporting and willingness to report and observance of misconduct and how somebody reported, for example, in survey questions. Because that still can give you uh, invaluable data that you're just not going to get. Because you're, what you're going to get when you look at your reporting system is what people report and how they reported it. But what you're not going to get is those people that didn't report, that are still out there, that fear retaliation or, 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 or don't think the company is going to take a report seriously or whatever the reasoning is, that observed misconduct and didn't report. Or people who reported but it doesn't end up into the system. Those are all things that you can gather through surveys that you wouldn't necessarily get through the system itself. And so I wouldn't abandon that source of data as well when you're evaluating the effectiveness of your system. And then finally, audit. Going back and and taking a really careful review, kind of taking apart the mechanism piece by piece, examining it through an audit process is invaluable as well. You can't not audit your your system, not have an independent uh, view of it and, and, and really, I think, honestly stand up and say it's effective year after year if that's not happening on a regular basis. Now, I did mention that I, I think that you know comparing numbers through benchmarking is not all that effective, but one thing you can do through benchmarking with other organizations is look how they've constructed their system. What's their plan? What's their process? What do they use? Uh, how do they, how's their system constructed? I think that's valuable benchmarking, sort of resource benchmarking, if you will. That can be helpful. I don't know that comparing numbers to numbers, unless you have an absolute demographic match, is necessarily that illuminating. But but looking at what they have in place and comparing that and contrasting that to what you're doing so that you can make reasonable decisions about what you do in the future, I think can be really helpful. And that is something to consider. So I hope that's helpful kind of as an introduction as to both why it's important to do to measure and some different ways you can attack measurement for a reporting and case management system. Now, I, I've been careful not to talk about whether that system is electronic or not. Uh, depending on the size of an organization, I, I think it's still possible to have sort of an ad hoc system, you know, using Excel spreadsheets and manpower to keep track of these things, depending on how big you are and how sophisticated your organization is. But more and more often, tools are being used, and there are plenty of different tools out there. I'm not going to endorse a particular one here, but certainly I don't want to finish speaking on the topic without mentioning the fact that a lot of this can be automated and and make your life a lot easier, particularly not only entering the information and handling and monitoring the, the, the cases as they go along, but also getting the data at the end for reporting purposes. Particularly if you're talking about a high volume, there's just no way to physically do that manually unless you just have an enormous amount of manpower. But certainly having these systems to automate the processes is helpful as well. The last thing I was going to talk about, just for a couple of minutes, I'm going to give you a couple of data points. I've been told 
that when I start rattling off data on the podcast, that it's a little disconcerting. <laughs> so I'm not going to do too much, but I but I, I love data and you should love data too. This whole podcast is about gathering data and, and, and making a case for your effective use of these tools. So I want to mention a couple of things. All this data that I'm going to mention comes from the SCCE and NYSE SEEP report. That's the Compliance and Ethics Program Environment Report, which came out, and I think it's now about two and a half years old. So it's getting a little long in the tooth, but still valuable data. And the link to that report will be in the show notes Show notes here as well. Just a couple of points. 62%, over 60% of organizations have a written investigation policy or procedure. I think that's the place to start before you start looking at tools or anything else is figure out what your process is going to be. Figure out how you're going to break down those walls we talked about. Have a idea in mind, even if it's just a flowchart on one piece of paper about how this process is going to work. I think that's the place to start. And the majority of peer organizations, that's what they have in place is some sort of written policy or procedure. 68%, so almost 70% of organizations have some sort of system that quote unquote logs and tracks investigations. So again, if you're small enough and not that sophisticated, perhaps you can still do that with an Excel spreadsheet. But I think more and more often that's going to be some sort of electronic system that allows you to log and track. And then the last piece of data that I'm going to give you is 74%, so almost three quarters, report investigations and resolutions, at least to the compliance committee, the executive level compliance committee level. So you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to give, uh, oh, and 70%, I I lied, I'm giving you one more number, 70% report misconduct statistics. So statistics and resolutions, you're not going to be able to provide that data unless you have a system in place to do that. It's going to become a mess. So, you know, if you've got a large, large volume, then you've got to have some sort of process in place by which to, to, to manage that. And then, again, going back to the original premise of this, measuring the effectiveness is only going to be possible if you're gathering that data as well. So I hope that's helpful. It gives you kind of a, an insight, a little bit of data. I couldn't help myself on uh, how uh, to benchmark the resources here. I think it's important to make the case internally about why this is important, who's looking, who's expe- who, what the expectations are. The expectations from regulators are very different now than they were perhaps 10 years ago, much more explicit about looking, drilling down to see what your process is, how you collect data, and what you do with that data. It's, it's very different than what it used to be in the past, and you need to consider that. So the upshot this time is... Yes, you should care about measuring the effectiveness of your reporting and case management system. And yes, you need to be able to show your work. You need to show how your system works. What's the process that's in place? How do you collect data? And really importantly, what do you do with that data? Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moorheadconsulting.com.